1: Good evening, Jet Nation. Uh, Welcome back, and thank you for stopping by. Uh, This is your solo host, Alex Varallo, checking in tonight. Uh, We're going to have a good show tonight. Uh, Not going to run as long as we normally do, but we do have a guest coming on to the show, and that's uh, Christian Dyer of Sports Illustrated. Uh, So we're very excited to get his take on what's going on in his mind with the New York Jets and what he feels that they should do. Uh, come next week Because um, next week is official draft week um, All the uh, Rumors and narratives And everything that everyone uh, Has been throwing out there It's all going to come to light As of next week And we will finally find out uh, Which guys had it right Which guys didn't had it wrong And I'm sure we'll all see A lot of uh, Crazy picks from certain teams Where you know players are supposed to go in this round, but they slide, and all the excitement that the draft comes to bring. So definitely very excited for that. Uh, But before I get too carried away here, I'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Mile Social. If your business is looking for help and extending its platform on all social media avenues, Mile Social is the way to go. Um, It's the best way to get your name out there so that You don't have to be bogged down thinking about how to get your your name or your company's brand out to the people. Mile Social has got you covered for that, so look no further. I'd also like to give a shout-out to uh, JetNation.com and our forums. If you haven't signed up yet, you have to go do it. That's where all the Jets' conversation is. And also, I want to give a shout-out to all the people in the background, Um, all the guys like Phil and Green Bean who's been putting out a lot of content out there. Um, If you haven't heard uh, the word about Green Bean, you can follow him on our YouTube channel. Um, He's putting out uh, constant videos all the time. So big shout-out to him for all the work that he's done. Uh, And he also collaborates on a Jets 24-7 YouTube channel every week with a few other uh, great uh, Jets fans and YouTubers. So definitely give Green Bean a follow here at JetNation.com. Now, uh, tonight's show, I uh, don't want to get too, too crazy into it because Glenn and I will probably go, you know, into some depth next week um, covering all that is the draft. So tonight what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about uh, a couple uh, free agents uh, that I feel that are going to be big, impactful players to the team uh, this, that they've signed this season, And uh, I'm also going to throw, throw you guys some of my favorite prospects uh, that I haven't had an opportunity to cover yet. And i um, going to throw in some sleepers in there for you guys, too, uh, for where my mind is at. So a little bit of free agent talk, a little bit of draft, uh, my favorite draft prospects, a couple sleepers. And, uh, you know, we're definitely looking forward to, to hearing what uh, Christian has to uh, offer for us tonight. Um, so all has been a little quiet um, on the Jets' front right now. Uh, they believe that they still have a couple players that they need to sign that haven't come to ink. Um, one of them, I believe, is Jordan Jenkins. Now, the Jets' uh, salary cap situation is not as great as we all thought it was going to be. Um, you know, money dried up fast. Uh, we were anticipating some players to get cut or moved. Um, Jets are holding on to certain players. One of them I'm alluding to is Brian Winters. Uh, he would have been a $7.2 million savings, no dead money. Um, a lot of us were anticipating that cut to happen, but a couple of weeks ago Joe Douglas had, had said that he looks forward to uh, seeing a healthy competition on the interior aspect of the line. So at the moment, looks like Winters is penciled in into this lineup somehow, some way. looks like it's all on him. So the Jets have uh, players um, that they have to sign looking at over the cap right now. And I, I don't see Jordan Jenkins on this list. He was a one-year, $5 million deal. So we can anticipate that coming right off. I'm looking at overthecap.com uh, right now, and they're, they're showing about $18 million. So at the moment, uh, the Jets might have the opportunity to maybe make one splash signing, uh i don't know if they're going to do anything with the Jamal Adams contract and and I'll touch base on that a little bit later on as well but uh with 18 million dollars and a rookie draft class to sign uh you're probably looking somewhere between 7 8 million that you need to sign the entire draft class if we happen to draft uh, all eight picks and you know predicated if we don't do any changes on draft day so You're going to need about seven or eight million. That gives them about ten to eleven million to play with. Now, normally you want to keep some money into the season in case of injuries happen. You know, last year we were dealing with injuries left and right, all different positions. So you do need some some money. Let's say between five to seven million to carry you through the season. Uh, It might even be less than that. Um, But with that kind of money being talked about, or or that limited amount of money that I'm mentioning here kind of ties the hands of Joe Douglas here on how much more he can try to improve this roster. So unless if he does decide to make some tough cuts, uh, it does not look like there's going to be any huge signings that can be anticipated right now. Now there's a possibility to maybe trade some players or uh, possibly move one of our picks and, and try to acquire another team. But, That also comes with what kind of contract does that player have that they're going to try to trade for. I don't have anybody to, to offer an example, but you know, I've seen a lot of chatter on Twitter, you know, we should trade for this player. We should trade for that player. You have to remember that those picks that we're going to be sending away don't come, they come at a price. If we're going after Trent Williams or going after Jason Peters, or if, we just feel that there's another offensive lineman that we can trade for or a possible cornerback that we could trade for. Uh, it's going to come at a price and if they're going to be a decent player, it's going to be a hefty one. So the Jets have to be very smart, how they spend their money, uh, and, and what they're going to do. Uh, my guess is that they wouldn't do too much. Um, they probably want to see how this draft unfolds, uh, because there are still some decent names out there, uh, in free agency um, that could be had. And uh, some of the top players that come to mind right now, uh, on Clowney's name, he, I don't believe he signed yet. Everson Griffin is another edge guy that has not signed yet. Um, now, there was corners that were talked about earlier this week um, that the Jets were interested in or possibly talking to. Um, again, you know, how are they going to be able to allocate their money and and find a way to get these players in on a short-term or possible long-term. Right now, it kind of seems like it would be a short-term deal. Um, From what we've seen, uh, Joe Douglas is not putting himself in a position to be on the hook with a particular player for the long haul. So, you know, it's it's a smart move. It's a lucrative move. But at the same time, this is an aggressive league. So if you're not aggressive and you're complacent or conservative, that's kind of the results or the production that you're going to see come Sundays. So I like what Joe Douglas is doing. Uh, I think that expectations need to be a little uh, set. We have to set the bar a little low this year with our expectations because we still have a rookie, I mean, a young quarterback that has only had two years of experience. Uh, Sam has a lot of growing up to do. And you know anyone that is anticipating you know 10 plus wins and a playoff, I don't know if if you're being real with yourself. So uh, right now, I think what we need to do continue to mature Sam Darnold, bring in some some targets for him that he can work with and grow with, and then continue to strengthen the O line. Uh, The defense, I feel, is in good standings right now. We've got a lot of young talent. We've got some good veterans on that side. We have a strong defensive line. So there's a lot of good things that you could say about the defense, probably one or two positions away from what I feel could be elite, mainly in a locked-on corner and an edge player. Uh, So it's hard to tell with today's the 15th. We're exactly nine days away, eight days away. Uh, from the draft, so who knows what Joe Douglas has in store? Maybe he tries to fill out one more position before we get into the draft, so that he has a little bit more flexibility, or maybe possibly he's going to sit tight, go to the draft, take the guys that he has that he's prioritized, and then after the draft, take a look at where the pieces fall, what holes are still left on this team, and then maybe one, two, three signings uh, before they go into, uh, you know, some OTAs. But as we know, um, our world is um, going through a crisis right now. Uh, So this is all hypothetical, whether or not, uh, if there is going to be some football for us to watch at the moment, we just don't know. But the Jets have to continue uh, to plan like they are going to be uh, going out in the field and, on week one in September. So, uh, and, you know, that brings me, it brings up a thought that, that I've had um, that I don't think I've addressed on the show as of yet. And it's the difficulty that Joe Douglas is currently in. Um, He came into this team, as we know, um, shaking up a lot in the front office. Uh, We brought in our head coach, we fired our GM, then we hired him. He kind of came in here in the middle of our training camp and made a few good moves, um, you know, did a decent job. I mean, there wasn't really too much to be expected for all the heavy lifting already had been done um, with the offseason free agency and NFL draft. So he kind of filled in the chair, made a couple moves, and did pretty decent. Um, And this was a big year for him, um, for him to show the league, to show this team where his mind is at and how he can build a team. So you're having virtual uh, meetings with players, um, unable to look at them um, face-to-face and see how they're working out, seeing what their medicals are. Uh, This definitely makes Joe Douglas and his front office members, scouts, all the guys that are putting the plan together, it makes their job so much harder than it already is. Um, Now, of course, you know, everyone goes to the film, You go to interviews, coaches, players, try to build character development, see what kind of players you're dealing with. There's a lot um, else that they can do, but it has to be difficult and frustrating not being able to bring these guys in for visits and show them the facility. There's a little bit of, you know, a a salesmanship that that goes into that, kind of showing them the brand. Um, You're bringing in these young players. You know, we remember last year how Quentin Williams, was very, very excited to come to the Jets and, and meet Leonard Williams, how apparently he had him on his Madden team. So he was very, very excited, and, and we're missing that on that aspect. But I'm going to stop my rant here, and it looks like we have Christian on the line, so I'm going to bring him on right now. Yeah.
0: Hello, Hi, how are you? Alex? Is This is Christian. It, it, it hey, is. how's it
1: going? Good. How are you? Awesome, awesome. I'm doing great. Um, running solo tonight. Uh, Glenn couldn't beat up with us, but uh, I was excited when I heard that uh, you were going to come on and and talk to us about my favorite team and everyone at Jet Nation's favorite team, the New York Jets. Um,
0: well, uh, so Alex, Glenn, no, no, me, no, no, Glenn is certainly addition by subtraction. We
1: can agree on that one. <laughs> well, I'm not going to take shots at him, but I love it. Glenn's a good sport, um, and fantastic. you know, you've come on the show you know, numerous amount of time. So we've always appreciated you giving us your time in this crazy world that we're living in. Uh, But it looks like we're a week away from the draft and everyone's getting excited, anticipated. um, Everyone's setting their boards on who's going to go at 11, who's going to fall, who's going to slide. And uh, Glenn was telling me that you've put together a little bit of a mock draft that you would like to share with us tonight. Uh, Would you like to start there? and uh, give us a rundown of where your mind is at with this team?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know if we want to go down pick by pick necessarily. I don't have my uh, draft right in front of me. Uh, but, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's something I've been advocating for in my writing, uh, but also, you know, ju- just in general when I do radio shows is that uh, the Jets are – not one year away. They're, they're probably two seasons away from being competitive. You, you look at next year and the possibilities for them to have 80, maybe 90 million in salary caps, uh, depending on what hits they're willing to take with players released. You know, that number could be north of 90 million. Uh, that's going to be the year, I think, in the offseason where you could see Joe Douglas uh, free up, go after some of the heavy hitters, uh, some of the bigger names, the impact players, the players that take this team to the next level, uh, which to me means that in 2020 and the here and the immediate, uh, as seen by Douglas, Joe Douglas's mentality uh, in free agency so far, it's about building depth, it's about building quality, uh, it's about addressing needs, and that means that it may not necessarily be a Davey and Clowney, Or a Dak Conklin type of player, you know, with the the Pro Bowls and the big names and the big contracts and the experience. But uh, it's going to be someone good, solid, and upgrade over what currently exists. And I think if you carry that same type of mentality through into the draft, Alex, the ghost of Glenn, um, you know, it's going to end up being probably a draft where you've got a bit more balance, uh, perhaps the need to trade back. Uh, and, and potentially accrue more picks. And, and I know that's a concept that I don't think Jets fans are necessarily a huge fan of. You know, this is a team that, outside Jamal Adams and you know, potentially Sam Darnold, you would say it's kind of devoid of stars. And when you look back at the Jets team from a decade ago, that had Darrell Rivas and DeBrickashaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold, uh, you know, and, and – um, uh, David Harris, Antonio Cromartie, uh, and wide receivers. You had it was Plexico Burris one year, Santonio Holmes the the next. Uh, you know th- there were a lot of star players. There were Pro Bowl players. There were all Pro players. Uh, there there were guys on that roster who would be going into uh, you know Canton with a Jets jersey on. And, and uh, you don't necessarily get that sense outside of Jamal Adams and, and potentially Sam Darnold that this is a team that's very top heavy. But uh, at the the end of the day what may need to be done this offseason is going to be the whole concept of building balance building up the two deep uh, addressing depth and then next offseason there's that money there uh you know going after other needs whether it's a big name wide receiver uh potentially replacing levy on bell uh, at some point get, getting the high-end pass rusher in cornerback. then uh you know so this draft might be one where they need to trade back and accrue multiple picks
1: Yes, uh, I absolutely agree. I feel that last year they were in a really, really good position to do that and gain some capital that they had lost from the Darnold trade a couple years ago. But it seemed that you know Mike Mcagnin was didn't like the offers that he got, or he was okay, you know, sitting there and, and taking his player, um, which we all know may have not been the, the best move for this team, as now we're looking at the, you know so many holes on this roster and. You know, that was one of the questions that I had had for you tonight was, is Joe Douglas the right guy for this for this job, and can he turn this team around, and how long will it take? Now, you had said it was probably going to be about two years, and, and I tend to agree, too. Um, you know, my philosophy on it going back from 2019 was, you know, this year you have to take a step, and then in 2020 we want to leap so that when we're in that fourth year of Sam Darnold's contract, Playoffs and, and postseason talk should, should be, uh, you know, the narrative. So we might be a year behind now. Um, uh, I do think that Joe might be the right guy. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about that. Um, but, uh, you know, how do you feel about, you know, the way that he's negotiated and, and set up these one-year contracts?
0: Yeah, I think it gives a lot of flexibility. Um, It may give too much flexibility because next year you might be looking at a roster with some 30 players under contract, uh, maybe even less than that, going into a free agency period where you have to make a lot of signings. And I think the Jets kind of had a similar... Off season 2015, when Mike McCaganan spent big and, and brought in all those uh, marquee type of players, uh, impact players, and it worked. It got the Jets to 10 and 6, but then uh, it hamstrung them the next year when there should have been a step forward in, in further development. Uh, so it can be, you know. You're coming off uh, Mike Mcagn's first year, or Mike Mcagn was going into his first off season with the Jets in 2015. A very similar situation to what Joe Douglas is setting up for next year. Uh, John Idzik underspent a lot; didn't have a lot of players under contract. There were a lot of cap-friendly contracts uh, because a lot of these players weren't necessarily high-quality players, and he he was bringing in sort of the, that uh, second and, and more third-tier level free agents, and I think uh, what Joe Douglas has done is, you know, an NFL roster is made up of a lot of sacrifice flies and singles, uh, but you really kind of make your bread and butter, if you will, in the NFL with the doubles and the triples. There are very few home run signings and draft picks, and I think Joe Douglas has done a good job with you know the the, the Connor uh, McGovern's of the world, and uh, I think even uh, George Fant and some of those signings, uh, Pierre Desir, and uh, you know, kind of the guys that maybe are, are underneath that, that tier one, the big names, the All Pros, the Pro Bowl guys, the the, the perennial top players at their position but still uh, was able to upgrade certain units. And the Jets finished 7-9 and nine and 6-2 and two in their final eight games behind an offensive line that, that was second worst in the NFL last year. I think you could probably make, over the, make the argument that over the past two years, uh, it's been the worst in football, uh, just in terms of overall talent, but performance level, um, and certainly the protection of Sam Darnold. Uh, was atrocious in the first half of the season. Well, the offensive line upgraded and it improved. Uh, it's not necessarily the guys who are going to be the high-end, high-caliber players, but they're going to be good, solid role players. And uh, when you look at what Joe Douglas did, he went in with a mentality – He wasn't pushed around, Uh, and and it's very much that Ozzie Newsome mentality in Baltimore. And we always talk about the big name players in Baltimore, whether it was a Ray Lewis or, you know, I know (laughs) there's always some argument whether he's a leader or not. But Joe Flacco is a big name player. You know, won a Super Bowl as a quarterback, um, Super Bowl MVP. There were a few of those guys on this team: uh, Suggs, uh, Helton, Nagata, players like that. And then there was a drop-off in terms of name recognition, but the roster was complete and replete with uh, really those tier two level guys. And I think the Jets are finally getting that. Uh, when you look at the current Jets roster coming into the off season, there was a handful of guys who were high-end players, and then there was a significant drop-off. And that's why I think perhaps trading back in this draft, and if you can pick up another couple picks on day two and early on day three, you could really begin to solidify the roster and set yourself up so that next off season, it's not necessarily you're going to have to get a windfall of eight to ten guys to come on in, uh, and then you're still going to have to, you know, bring on board your depth players. Instead, it's going to be signing those few handful of guys that get you over the hump, uh, so that a team that you know this year may be five and eleven, six and ten, seven and nine again because it's a tougher schedule, uh, can then take that step forward and be. A nine and seven, ten and sixteen, because they've got a core, they've got depth, they've got nucleus, and you see what Joe Douglas is trying to do with these one-year contract and three-year contracts—is you know prove yourself on the one-year contract, and the three-year contract gives a lot of cap
1: flexibility after year two. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I really like the way that he structured these deals so that you know, in the event that you know Fant or um wrote in or um even Alex Lewis, um if any of these guys get injured or don't work out or you know, they just happen to struggle, uh we're not tied long term to them and that gives him the opportunity to hit the free agent market again next year and try to build uh build a better offensive line or possibly draft some young guys on day two, day three yeah.
0: that you and, can and develop this is a good and draft on detail. for next year. This- yeah, this is a good draft on day two. And I didn't mean to cut you off, Alex. I just got so excited talking about the draft. Um, it's, oh, absolutely. It's a good, it's a good draft on day two. Yeah, it's a good draft on day two, and particularly the interior offensive linemen. And I think you're looking at some guys like I'm really high on Robert Hunt uh, who from Louisiana, not LSU, but from Louisiana, a smaller school prospect who's going to be there probably in the third or the fourth round. Uh, And, you know, fireman Ed's favorite guy, uh, Matthew Hennessy from Temple. uh, He's going to be someone who's going to be uh, gone on day two. But if the Jets, again, accrue multiple picks, might be able to take him, develop him for a year, use him as a swing tackle, and then make a decision what they want to do if they go with tackle in the first round uh, with George Fant and what they do in 2021, because that is a cap-friendly Contracting 2021 if they decide to move on. So uh, at the end of the day, it's a very good draft. When you look at Lemieux out of Oregon, uh, is a guard to keep an eye on, and you know some of these other names that are going to be popping up. Cushenberry um, is is another player that I like. I think there's some guys there, day two and day three, where. Uh, if the Jets were to stow them away for a year, basically put them up, put them on a redshirt season, and kind of did what they uh, did with Matt uh what was, what was that? Uh, a decade ago, uh, develop, groom, and then uh, integrate, uh, kind of at the end of this season, begin to give them more reps, more opportunities in games, activate them for games. Uh, these could be players who can step up on rookie contract, day two, day three rookie contracts who could make uh, Joe Douglas' life an awful lot easier because some of these bigger names uh, that were signed on the offensive line could be vulnerable uh, next offseason because he's got a, a slew of rookies coming on board who are ready to step in. It would make the rebuild an awful lot easier if Joe Douglas got two contributors to the offensive line uh, from this group.
1: Yeah, and you bring up a great point about the day two scenario because naturally that the way that the draft has unfolded you don't really see a lot of interior offensive linemen going in the first round, you know, mm-hmm. unless if you have somebody um, who just slipped my mind right now, like the guard uh, that went to the Colts a couple years ago in the top sure. five. Um, I can't believe I forgot his name right now.
0: But but, but, but um, there's some good but, ones in this draft or who could be first round, such as Cesar Ruiz uh, out of Michigan, absolutely. who's kind of in that round one, maybe early day two pick. Uh, maybe not the right fit for the Jets at that point, but when you look at, uh, you know, some of the other players, Jonah Jackson out of Ohio State, the player mm-hmm. I'm very high on, so, uh, you know, he was a Love multi-year Jonah. starter at Rutgers, went, um, went for his fifth-year graduate transfer season at Ohio State, took another step forward proved he could play at a high level of competition, was voted a team captain as a fifth-year graduate transfer, which says something. Uh, And he's somebody who maybe can't necessarily step in day one and be a plug-and-play starter for the Jets. I think he could be, but he doesn't have to be with the moves that were signed. But come 2021, I think you could probably pencil him in and and maybe keep the pen nearby to make it permanent because he has starting uh, qualities that, that should translate well to the NFL. So, the the Jets could set themselves up well in this draft. If a, they trade back from number 11, which is probably a whole nother topic that that we want to hit. What do they do at 11? But uh, B accrue some of those picks and be able to stow away so that you could, you know, really put this rebuild into high gear.
1: Absolutely. And Jonah Jackson definitely is one of um, my favorite uh, in this class. And, What I really liked about him is how he had a little bit of experience at center and at guard. So you have somebody that's flexible, that has a lot of experience on the inside, and we know that kind of the way that this offensive line has been built, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for anybody to go and get themselves a starting job. But let's talk about the 11th pick right now. Um, So let's just say there's no trade suitors, um, and you're stepping into Joe Douglas' role right now. Uh, if you had to go and, and take somebody at 11, who would be your top target?
0: Yeah, I, I really like Andrew Thomas. I've, I've liked him for a while. Uh, when you first start looking at names in January and February, and I watch a lot of college football and I'm familiar with Thomas and, you know know, know, know that he's been a quality player. He was originally thought to be that first tackle off the board type. Um, he was projected in a lot of drafts to be a top five, top six pick uh, in, a, in a lot of mock drafts. Uh, the only reason why he's not currently there is just because, uh, look, I in and Tristan in Wirfs had tremendous combines. And I originally had the Jets going with Wirfs uh, when I did my first mock draft uh, at number 11. Uh, If worfs is somehow there, I I think the Jets need to run to the virtual podium and and put down the card there. And even if they could get those multiple picks uh, on day two and day three, I think Worfs is probably that quality and that caliber of player. Uh, And we talked about Jonah Jackson having position versatility. There's some thought that, that, that could be a a world-class all pro pro bowl type of guard as well as, as a tackle. But, um, Worfs will probably not be there. I'm guessing beckton will probably not be there, and I'm not as quite as high on Becton as, as most. Um, I think he's a very good player, but uh, a player given that size, uh, given the way he moves, uh, there are all going to be joint issues with him. He has been relatively injury-free, which is a good sign. But playing 16 games in the NFL uh, at that size, I always have a little bit of concern about joints and cartilage and tears and. Uh, making an investment in number 11 um, for someone who is so physically large, uh, even though he moves well, uh, is a bit of a concern for me. So uh, I think if Andrew Thomas is there, you take Thomas. But if you have the opportunity to trade back, um, I, I'm going to deviate for a moment. Uh, I've been on the Josh Jones hype train for a while, and I don't know if we want to talk any more about that. But I think he's someone oh, yeah. who's really intrigued not number 11, um, you know, I don't know if you want to go into Josh Jones or not and what they could do,
1: uh, yeah, but,
0: I, but, but I certainly think that, well, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, whether it's with Tampa Bay uh, at number 14, uh, you know, there's going to be some possibilities perhaps with Dallas, uh, who, who's, who's picking at 17. They may want to move up uh, if one of these wide receivers, C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, were to fall in the draft. Uh, I could see a team like Dallas. Uh, potentially having interest in moving up. uh, Dallas has number 17 and and I believe number 45 in the in the second round. Uh, That could certainly be enticing for the jets as they could then look to get defensive back uh, and wide receiver uh, a little bit later in a very deep second round this year. Uh, And then even uh, within the division, making a trade potentially uh, depending on where Justin Bear falls um, and what Miami does with their first first round pick uh, if they were to go with a two uh, or they were to move in some other direction because of the way the dominoes were falling uh, you know if you if Miami was willing to trade up for uh, the Oregon quarterback it could make an interesting scenario because Miami has 18 26 and 39 uh, as well as I believe a couple other uh, day two picks so There could be the possibility for the Jets. uh, It might need to be a little bit of a ransom because you're dealing within the division and potentially a quarterback uh, for the Jets to move back in the draft. Now, uh, Josh Jones uh, out of Houston is probably someone that a lot of people don't know a whole lot about. He's a left tackle. He was a four-year starter at Houston. Uh, He showed very well in the senior bowl. I know people don't think so, but he showed very well in senior bowl week practices. He interviewed very well. And, uh, you know, in a game that's a little bit different uh, just because you haven't played with that line, but when we talk about individual workouts and practices, uh, J- Jones was exemplary. He had an outstanding senior bowl. League. He looked good in the combine. He, he showed the numbers. He needed to the strength. Uh, he doesn't have a, a lot of bad fat on him at all, if any. Uh, he moves well and powers into the second level. Uh, he's been, he was in a pro-style system, which is a huge advantage. Uh, and he was a four-year starter at Houston. I know that's not a power five program. You know, We're used to the Alabamas and Iowas and Ohio States and Clemsons and, and Michigans. Uh, but, I, but I think playing at the level he did, they played against Oklahoma, Um, this past year, Central Florida, who's in the top 25 program, Cincinnati, who's in the top 25 this year, Navy, who's in the top 25. There were a lot of bold teams that that they played against, and and he played well. Uh, He's been overall very healthy throughout his career, a couple injuries here and there. But if the Jets were to move back, um, you know, with Tampa Bay, who got 14 and 45, and some of these other options and and, in the crew, maybe another second-round pick, Uh, there's not a big drop-off between Jones and, let's say, Andrew Thomas at number 11. So, uh, you know, and and it could still be a scenario where the Jets move back two or three and are still able to get an Andrew Thomas if, if another team just doesn't need a left tackle. But uh, to me, being able to get Jones and maybe being able to get a uh, multiple day two and a, and a day three pick, uh, when we could address wide receiver, when you choose Claypool, or, or someone along those lines. Um, Bryce Hall is a cornerback who could be there for the Jets in the middle part of the second round. Uh, you, you could get a couple really good starters uh, and, and create an awful lot of uh, intrigue going into 2021 uh, because you've got guys signed to cheap contracts.
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, Josh Jones, for Glenn and I, uh, we're both very high on him. Um, oh, he's to you know, one of the things that you had mentioned is that he has the most experience of all the, the tackles that are coming into this the conversation of the first round. Uh, so, you know, that's a big thing for me here is how long have you been doing your job and how well have you been doing it? And his numbers are phenomenal in um, past process as well. Um, yeah, he's well, well, which very which is, very low which, amount of pressures. Yeah,
0: which is certainly going to be very, very appealing with what the Jets are trying to do and Adam Gates is trying to do. Uh, you know, in terms of his offensive line and, and what he wants. Uh, to, to, to me, Jones could be that that pick. You don't make it at eleven necessarily, but uh, if you're able to find the right dance partner and you don't move back too far in the first round, uh, I, I think Jones could be there. If not, there could be somebody like an Austin Jackson out of USC. Uh, who, who could certainly be uh, a left tackle for the Jets. He's a bit of a drop off from. From you know those four to five guys that we're talking about as being the top uh, offensive tackles, but I think he could do a serviceable and, and very solid job for the Jets. Uh, you know, and then there's Jedrick Wills from uh, Alabama, who uh, you know had a good combine, has great numbers, great doubt very well, but he's never played left tackle. So if the Jets are convinced that uh, Wills can take that next step and can play at left tackle. Uh, it's going to take a learning curve or if they think George fan could be potentially a left tackle, which is something uh fan has never played either, but at least he has a solid NFL experience. Then Kendrick Wills could be someone to watch at 11 or a little bit later in the first round.
1: Yep. Um, definitely love Wills. Um, you know, the way I'm looking at it is Andrew Thomas is probably um, your balanced guy. He's your safe guy um, mm. that you can go with. And, you know, maybe, the ceiling may not be as high as what Makai Becton may be, but, you know, like you had talked about, there is a little bit of a risk factor with when you have a player that's a gargantuan like him. Um, obviously the ceiling is there, but is it, is it worth the risk when you can have a safe, you know, sturdy pick that can be there for you for the next five to ten years And a Thomas? And as far as Wills is concerned, you know, I've heard some takes where people say, well, he played the blind side for Tua. So, you know, that, that would be the most important um, offensive position, offensive line position for Alabama with a lefty quarterback. Um, you know, Jedrick's got great feet. Um, he, he moves well. He does a lot of different things. Okay. Um, okay. It looks like, unfortunately, we just lost uh, Christian there. Um, his call dropped. Uh, but uh, if he calls us back in, I'll get him right back on the line. Um, and – while I have the opportunity, uh, if you don't happen to call back, thank you very much for uh, giving us your time. And uh, looks like you just came back. Okay, Let's see if I can unmute you there. Yeah,
0: there, there, there's nicer Brilliant. ways to let me. There, there's nicer ways, Alex, to let me know that, that my time is <laughs> up than just to hang <laughs> up on me. You no, know, I. you I, 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 knew I was going to disagree here. <laughs> you I knew was I was going to disagree with milk. you. <laughs> yeah, you knew i was going to disagree with you about wills uh, uh you know to your point about him uh, with to his blindside I, I completely agree it shows that they have confidence in him it shows that he oftentimes went up uh, you know against the best pass rusher that the opposing sec team had Uh, but it's still going to be a a different technique he has to learn in terms of uh, leg plant sliding uh, kind of some of the things he needs to do with his hand are going to be a little bit different on the left side. So uh, I think he possesses the skill set, but when you've got a young franchise quarterback who's taken a lot of hits uh, over the, the first two seasons of his NFL career, uh, that's an awfully big risk to take. So, I mean, if he's there and there's good value and the Jets are able to move back in the first round, uh, I certainly think it could be worth the
1: experiment. Uh, but there is a little bit of a risk involved there. Oh, absolutely. And and I'm definitely all about um, if the board is set right and, you know, certain things are happening where teams are trading to move up to get quarterbacks and, you know, say Detroit takes a step back and Um, and Miami happens to use all those picks that they have to try to move up, things can get very interesting and and players can slide to us, which I feel. And that will give them the opportunity to move back two, three picks um, in the event that, you know, there's a trade frenzy going on before they get to their spot and that gives them a little bit more flexibility to, you know, like you said, go for an Austin Jackson, possibly a Josh Jones and, there's definitely going to be at least one of these tackles that were projected in the top 10 to probably go between that 11 to 15 range. And that could be an Andrew Thomas. That could be the Jedrick wills. And and that would work out great for the jets because we know more picks, more opportunities to get uh, younger talent on this roster. And that's definitely where they need to go. Um, so I'm going to throw uh, one last one at you here. Um, and, and thank you again for your time. We appreciate it. Um, Who would be your sleeper? Um, And, you know, he could be a day two, he could be a day three guy. Um, But where where do you think or which player intrigues you that you'd like to see on the Jets?
0: Yeah, there's a couple. So um, I I hope
1: you're okay with me bringing players instead
0: of players. Yeah, we got time. Bring it on. I, I really like Amik Robertson, uh, cornerback out of Louisiana Tech. He, he's a little undersized at 5'8", but he's a hard hitter. He's physical. He projects, obviously, to playing in the slot, and a nickel back at the next level, uh, but he's aggressive. He didn't play the best at competitions, but when he played – uh, against those Power 5 programs a couple times a year at Tech. He always did a really good job. And I think there's someone who, who could be day six, day seven, uh, could even fall to the Jets uh, as an undrafted free agent, but I kind of doubt it. Uh, that would be Central Florida cornerback Neville Clark. He's someone who's popped up uh, in an awful lot of my mock drafts. Uh, I like him. He's got good size. He's in a six, six-foot-one range. I uh, played good competition with Central Florida, which, which has been Uh, one of the best programs in in the American athletic conference over the past few seasons. Uh, He's played in big games, big bowl games. He does well. Uh, He's physical. He's rangy. He has long arms with a good wingspan. Um, He's a little bit of a risk, but uh, I certainly think that uh, he could be somebody who late on day three if the jets have only taken one cornerback in the draft to, to that point. Uh, could step in in certain sub packages and could potentially grow uh, into a larger role. You know, I think the value that the Jets had when I first started covering the team in 2008. Uh, was they had the likes of a Dwight Lowry uh, on the team and and Strickland and, and certain guys like that who were uh, quality cornerbacks who went off and started on other teams.
1: Uh,
0: Ellis Langster uh, is another one that that comes to mind uh, because there's always injuries, there's always the need for sub packages for different looks to be able to throw and. Uh, I think Greg Williams having a handful uh, of good cornerbacks uh, potentially coming from the next few drafts uh, could really do a lot in terms of his exotic blitzes, uh, in terms of how he likes to press and man-to-man. So uh, I'd love to see the Jets stock up on on a cornerback or two um, in the the draft, in particular in in the later rounds. If they do end up accumulating a couple more uh, picks in the sixth round, they don't have any in the seventh, but if if they were to add some there – uh, I think that could be really interesting and and I wouldn't call him a sleeper, but Cam Akers out of Florida state to me uh, has the physical build, the ability to grow into uh, an every down kind of back in the NFL. Uh, the contract situation with Le'Veon Bell next year sets up that if the Jets were to release Bell and I'm not sure they necessarily will behind the revamped offensive line. Now, I think Bell could be a lot closer to, to his former self, uh, but if they were to release Bell, it would be $4 million on the cap in terms of a cap hit next year, uh, and then in 2022, it would be only $2 million. So I could see the Jets bringing on board someone in the middle rounds, such as a Cam Akers, uh, perhaps A.J. Dillon out of Boston College on day three, uh, who could be groomed, brought up. Um, and given a larger role and responsibility, and then uh, eventually handed the keys to the backfield come day three. So uh, on the offensive side of the ball, I like those two guys as being potential players. Uh, Brian Edwards out of South Carolina. I know Glenn's throwing his fist up in the air right now. He he loves this kid. A lot of injuries, a lot of concerns, but he's got a good uh, speed, uh, size ratio. If he can stay healthy, he could be a really good fit. Uh, this is the kind of player that that the Dallas Cowboys tend to get on day three, uh, and then turn into a really good, solid NFL player. Uh, there is some risk to him because of his injury history, uh, some other concerns, but he's certainly someone who who can be a playmaker with the ball in his hands. And, and then one f- final one I'm going to give you. Actually, I'll give you two. I'll, I'll do one just to tick off one of these names to tick off Glenn. I'll do that one first. It's tight end Dalton Keene uh, out of Virginia Tech. He's someone who, who I've included in a couple of my mock drafts over the past uh, few weeks, and I've been doing way too many mock drafts. Uh, but he's got good size, good wingspan, not necessarily a great inline line blocker, uh, but he's somebody who uh, can flex out, who, who they can utilize in the passing game, in the red zone, uh, going over the middle. I, I think he would bring good, good solid production uh, as a round six, round seven type pick for the Jets. And then uh, Alton Robinson. Uh, so we go from Dalton to Alton. Alton Roberts, Robinson out of Syracuse uh, as a defensive end who two years ago had a tremendous season in the ACC. Where it was absolutely phenomenal coming off the edge. Uh, I realize that the Jets will probably address edge rush uh, a little bit earlier in the draft, probably in the opening three rounds. Uh, it's not a great draft necessarily for edge rushers. Once you go past the past first few names, and you know some of the ones who might be there late in the first round, such as Aquara Julian Aquara uh, out out of Notre Dame. Um, and and Curtis Weaver out of Boise State, although there's now some concerns about him with the diluted test. Uh, But at the end of the day, I think someone like Alton Robinson uh, could be an early to mid-round day three selection uh, who maybe the Jets kind of sit on for a year, get him some reps here or there, uh, but who could really grow into a prominent role. He faced an awful lot of double teams, this past year for Syracuse, their defense was a little bit down. Uh, teams were, were, were able to focus on him a bit more. He didn't put up quite the numbers, uh, but he has good length, good size. I think if he put on you know 10 more good quality pounds, uh, he could be ready in the 3-4 to be someone uh, by 2021 uh, who could be very effective for the Jets off the edge. So uh, that was more than one name. I, I apologize.
1: No, no, that's perfectly fine, and and we love all those little draft trims you throw out there. I definitely am a big fan of A.J. Dillon, Um, you know, that tree trunk thighs that he has. You know, there's no way you're arm tackling a running back like that when he's at full speed. Kind of reminds me of uh, Mike Turner um, from uh, the old San Diego Chargers and Atlanta Falcon days. Uh, He had a short stint, but uh, you want to talk about somebody that, you know, was, you know, had a foundation um, from the hips down. Uh, There was no way that you could bring down Michael Turner when he was full speed. Mm. And I get a little bit of that vibe from A.J. Dillon. And Alton Robinson um, uh, was definitely somebody that I was looking at early on. And you hit all the key points, length, size, um, brings that, you know, outside edge perimeter, um, you know. A little
0: bit of a Muhammad Wilkerson
1: Yes. Um, for sure. You know, he's probably a better run defender than a pass rusher, but you get a little bit of that pass rush with him, which is kind of a bonus. And with the way that Greg Williams kind of mixes his defensive packages and puts players in certain um, uh, scenarios for good opportunities, you know, somebody like that, I think, would be a really, really good fit for what we're trying to do here. But uh, great stuff. Um, As you know, all these little gems here, I wish I could get them all out there. I'll try to retweet your information and um you know would you like to uh, tell us where our fans can follow you and where we can get some of your awesome content
0: yeah I've, uh, since the fall I've been, I've been covering the team uh for sports illustrated there's now uh, if you go to si.com slash nfl slash jets that's si.com slash nfl slash jets we're trying to put out a uh, you know a lot of good content quality content hopefully things like a discussion going and uh, there have been some scoops on, on, on draft visits, uh, which have now been video visits, video interviews over the past uh, few weeks due to the pandemic, but uh, we've got some news out there. There will be some news coming tomorrow on, on some prominent guys who have been having video visits with uh, the Jets, so uh, you know, stay tuned. And This was fun, and hopefully we'll be able to connect um, you know, over the next couple of weeks to kind of dissect this draft. It's going to be fun. We've, we've never seen a draft like this before, and I think at the end of the day, Alex, there's going to be a lot of players taken uh, from the combine this year, which means if the Jets have done their homework – um, because with all the pro days canceled, teams are going to stock up on what they know. Uh, but if the Jets have done their homework and they've scouted Penn State and Temple and, and Boston College and UConn and Rutgers and you know kind of the programs that are within that drive uh, where maybe they're able to find those guys on day three and the undrafted free agents, uh, it could really be an advantage because they've got so many college programs uh, within that drive that they've been able to have access to and ACC and the Big Ten and Uh, the American Athletic Conference, Uh, if Joe Douglas is as good of a scouter as he claims, uh, you know, as the claims are about him, uh, it it could be a real good time for the Jets to clean up.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. And we will have to pencil you in after this whole draft unfolds so we can um, get down and start, like you said, dissecting each player and, and, uh, you know, what Joe Douglas was thinking, how these players could possibly help us for the future and uh, where does that leave us or leave Joe Douglas to fill in the rest of the holes or gaps that we may have um, to try to turn this team around and get it on the right path. Uh, Again, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, And uh, we're going to probably wrap up the show in a little bit here, but you were the star, you were the rock star of this. Uh, That's all I got to say. So, uh, well, let's let, so let, let's
0: let's let's pray that Glenn comes back and is feeling better, so that it's a little less of me for the listeners next time.
1: Uh, well, I don't know about that. We'll we'll probably have to rock paper scissor um, for, you know, <laughs> who's going to get more airtime on the next go around. But uh, thanks again. We really appreciate it here from Jet Nation. Have a good night. Yeah,
0: thanks, Alex. Glenn, feel better. Take care. All
1: right. Bye bye. All right. Well, that was an awesome interview if I must say so. Uh, that was uh, Christian Dyer of uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, like he had said, you could follow him at Twitter at Christian with a K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-R-Dyer, D-Y-E-R. So give him a follow. I'll I'll be retweeting his uh, handle when we recap the show. And uh, a lot of good points that he had brought out there. Um, you know, the aspect of maybe moving back a few spots and acquiring more pieces and, uh, giving Joe Douglas more opportunity to bring in young talent and, and, you know, address these big positions of need like the pass rusher and, and getting a corner, because if you look at the way, um, the defensive side is put together, you have a one year deal with, uh, Brian Poole, You have a one year deal with Jordan Jenkins, You have a one-year deal with Arthur Mollett. You have a one-year deal with uh, Pierre Desir. So maybe these guys get extended, uh, or maybe they're looking for a new job next year on a new team, and that'll just be another four or five positions on defense that Joe Douglas will have to look at for free agency next year. So maybe you trade back, you get another two or three picks, and you start bringing in the future potential starters for each of the players that I had just mentioned. Not a stellar draft as far as the edge position is concerned. Um, there's one great talent in Chase Young, and then you're probably not going to see another edge defender, probably outside maybe pick 10, outside pick 15, um, and that will probably be an AJS Epinesa. Uh, so n- unlike the last couple drafts where they were heavily stacked at the defensive line and edge position, now we're looking at a more offensive draft where there's a few good quarterbacks, a, a great talented wide receiver on day one, two, and three of the draft. Um, there's some really, really good running backs in this draft as well, but we all know that the running back position is not held in high regard as it used to be. Um, this is transitioning into a passing league. So wide receivers are becoming more uh, of, of the necessity And, you know, running backs seem to be uh, easily replaced. So, but that doesn't mean that the Jets shouldn't have a plan, as Christian had mentioned, for life with or without Le'Veon Bell after this season. Uh, We have some uh, opportunity to get out of the contract next year with a minimal cap hit. Uh, He is, I believe, the second highest paid player on our roster uh, behind C.J. Mosley. So, right now, the Jets have their highest contracts at the inside linebacker position and running back. Generally, two positions that you do not normally invest a lot of draft capital to. Um, The majority of the the teams out there that are on the above 500 aspect, uh, they make sure that they have a solid offensive line and a good left tackle. They put their money into the edge position, into the cornerback position, and they try to get good receiving targets for their, for their quarterback. And Jets don't really have any of those positions, um, in an elite manner. So, you know, once again, this, this trading back philosophy, uh, could possibly be the best thing to do. And I know that there's a lot of people that really, really want the Jets to take a look at CD lamb or Jerry Judy, um, I think both players are great. Um, I would not be upset if we end up drafting one of them, but I can completely understand if the Jets decide to move back three, four, five spots, target an offensive lineman in the middle of the first round, and maybe we have two second-round picks that we could look at, and we could go for two wide receivers in that second round, or maybe we go for our cornerback and our edge player in the second round, which are premium picks, uh, these are potential starters, so you, you start off the draft um, checking off three starting positions, which is a really, really good uh, you know start to this whole uh, rebuild situation that we're in, um, and then you go after, um, and you take some flyers on some guys that you think, uh, uh, maybe not right away, but in the middle of the season and into 2021, so a lot of interesting things that could happen and unfold next week for the draft. And uh, I guess what I'll do is I'll, I'll take this opportunity uh, as we're speaking on the draft to give you guys some of my, my favorites that I have in this uh, draft class. Uh, now, I'm, I'm beginning to think that Christian might have hacked into my computer and uh, looked at my list here because a lot of the names that he mentioned tonight are players that I have on my list right here. Um, so I'm going to start with my first, uh, which is offensive tackle, Jedrick Wills. Definitely one of my favorite offensive linemen um, out of all these um, prospects here. Uh, it's just something about the way, you know, with his footwork and his hands, uh, how he seems to have that, that third eye in his mind, and he can uh, pick up stunts very well, and He's got really, really good awareness. Now, he did play the right side. Can he play the left side? Obviously, the Jets have need on both sides. So uh, I wouldn't know where Joe Douglas would see him, um, if he's a true right tackle or if he would experiment with him on the left side. But he's definitely one of my um, – next, I'm going to go to the guard position, Damien Lewis out of LSU. I talked about him several weeks ago. Um, I really liked the tenacity that he brings and a player that uh, – Uh, Christian had mentioned uh, Shane Lemieux out of Oregon, uh, probably one of the toughest uh, son of a guns that I've seen um, on film this year. And uh, another cool thing that I saw him, he was training and taking uh, extra reps as a center. So in the event that a team looks for him to, to, you know, move him around on the inside of the line, he's willing to make the change, which is uh, definitely a good thing. Um, Joe Douglas had mentioned he wants players with versatility Um, that he doesn't have to just be set into one position or one role for that that individual. Uh, As far as my centers are concerned, Lloyd Cushenberry, another player out of LSU, Um, him and Damian Lewis, if Jets were to somehow, some way get the two of these guys on the roster, I think that that would really, really um, be great for solidifying the foundation of the offensive line uh, you're getting younger, you're bringing in two players that have worked together before um, that are very familiar with each other, so there's not going to be that learning curve of you know, getting used to new players around you. Um, they've already got experience working together. I think that that would be uh, lights out. Um, going over to the linebacker position, two players here that I'm really, really high on that probably no way know how the Jets will get, um, Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, And Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma, I really, really like, uh, you know, the fact that Simmons can play almost every position on defense except for defensive tackle and defensive end. You can literally put him anywhere on the defense, and he'll be just fine. Don't think he has a uh, future as a outside corner, but if you want to use him as a dime cornerback or a nickel cornerback, he's perfectly fine. He did a lot of slot coverage duties uh, when he was at Clemson. Uh, Kenneth Murray, um, probably that guy that you would call the off-ball linebacker. Um, I really think he's got uh, a a good nose for diagnosing and spelling out plays and uh, getting himself in the right position. Um, I've heard some people critique about his tackling. Um, I don't see too much wrong with it, but, you know, that's the eye of the beholder. Uh, And, you know, as far as him being versatile, I do see him being a good fit in a 3-4, um, giving you an athletic pass rush. I think that he does that pretty darn well with the way Joe, um, Craig Williams kind of mixes his personnel up. I think he would be just a perfect um, fit for our 3-4. Um, I'm going to go over to the cornerback position now. Um, now this would be somebody that I would think would be in that second round um a j Terrell, I believe Glenn had him on one of his previous box. Um, you know a lot of people gave him slack for uh, his performance in the national championship game when he had to go up against Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson now, these are two guys that are talked about as top receivers in in college football uh, Jamar Chase we won't be seeing until next year. Um, he might be. The best. If he were in this class, he might be considered one of the best wide receivers and between Lamb and Judy, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Justin Jefferson, amazing talent. Um, but if you do go back and look at that game and you analyze A.J.'s reps, uh, he, did, he put a lot of good tape out there, and he won a lot of those position battles. But you'll only see the plays, or the highlights, rather. You don't see the good things that he did in that game. Um, now, another quarterback that I've talked about numerous times that – uh, Dyer brought up was Meek Robertson. I love uh, the, the heart of this, this 5'8 corner that plays like a bulldog. Um, he's just gritty, and even though he may lack height, I think he makes up with it with his physical nature, um, being a little bit of a hard-nosed guy, standing in front of this guy right at the line of scrimmage and making him work for every inch, every yard on the field. Uh, so very, very uh, uh, interesting prospect out of Louisiana Tech there, and Amik Robertson. Uh, going over to the edge position, um, just a couple guys quickly. Uh, I'll be short on this one. Zach Blahn, somebody that I talked about in my first mock draft that we did about a month ago, um, and the next guy, Bradley, and I. Uh, he kind of caught a lot of wind at the uh, Reese's uh, senior bowl game, two, possibly three sacks in that game and he was making, I believe it was Calvin Throckmorton that was playing left tackle um, on some of those snaps and uh, pretty much beat him with a nice speed rush, good bend, good flexibility. Um, Maybe not somebody that you'll see in the second round. Could possibly be a third or fourth round uh, draft pick, but situational pass rusher, Jets definitely could use one of those. Uh, So over to my favorite wide receivers, I'm going to have to go with Denzel Mims and Tyler Johnson. Um, Mims might find himself on being selected in the late first round. He had a phenomenal combine. Um, I believe he was one of the highest vertical jumps, right around 43 inches or something like that. Um, He had a really good broad jump, so there's a lot of power and strength in the lower half of his body, Um, extremely athletic, um, and great awareness on the boundary, uh, positioning his body, high-pointing, getting up, winning those 50-50 ball situations. I think Denzel Mims has all the traits of a round one talent, but in the event that he does slide to round two, I think that the Jets should uh, run up that virtual card. Um, okay, so we um, give you one sleeper, um, somebody that uh, Glenn and I were talking about on Twitter today, and that's Jawan Jennings, uh, wide receiver from Tennessee. I think that this would be a solid possibly fourth or fifth round pick, uh, a compliment piece to our offense. He has size. He's very physical, uh, former quarterback. So there's, you know, kind of crazy little athletic skills there. Um, just seems to be one of those guys that get the ball in his hands and he's going to make a good play. Um, now his uh, draft day wasn't um, too impressive. I think he had a rather slow 40 time, somewhere around the four sixes. Uh, which is not bad. Some guys, they just don't do well um, when they're, you know, in a tight situation. Um, as we know, never really a clear um, path when you're, when you're running on the field where you're going to go in a straight line for 40 yards untouched. So sometimes guys' play speed does not match what they do in the 40 as track speed. So I think he's one of those candidates. Um, he might slide because of those uh, uh, those speed numbers but I do feel that everything else that he does as a wide receiver is, is good enough for uh, being a steal on day four, on day three. All right. So that's going to wrap up our draft conversation for the night. We got to save some stuff for next week because uh, next week that is the, the big showdown for the Jets in the draft. So we'll save all that conversation for our next show when Glenn decides to join us. I'm going to go down, and I'm going to do a little bit of free agent talk here uh, and wind down the show with uh, my three impact free agents that I think were key signings this year. Uh, Number one, Pierre Desir, number two, Bouchard Perriman, and number three, Connor McGovern. Uh, The Jets have been hurting uh, for talent and quality play on the outside of the cornerback position. Uh, Pierre Desir is not going to to give you elite number one um, production, but I do think that with the success that Greg Williams showed with UDFAs and, and rookies and inexperienced players at the cornerback position, bringing in someone with his experience is, will, will stand out. And the fact that this year – stated the reason why he came to New York was play under Greg Williams. That says a lot, so I'm kind of expecting uh, some good things to come from him, and hopefully we start to see better play on the outside from what we've seen in the past. Uh, Bashard Perriman, now we know the Jets need more targets. Um, we lost Robbie Anderson this year. We needed somebody that could stretch the field and be something of a threat. Uh, to keep teams honest rather than stacking the box with seven or eight players and you know, trying to shut down on Bell and put pressure on Darnold. You need somebody that's going to keep the defense honest and make them have to adjust their scheme uh, to make sure that they have somebody to protect the, the deep part of the field with Perriman on there. So I really like what he's going to bring as a complementary piece to this offense. Um, clearly they do need more work. And there are, um, they do need more talent as far as the receiving position is concerned. But right now, when you're looking at the way things are unfolding, you have Perriman in the mix, you have Crowder, we have Herndon coming back, Griffin's coming back, we have Le'Veon Bell. Uh, You know, I know that we signed um, Dorsett, and uh, we have. I always forget if it's Jeff or Vincent Smith. Twitter, I'll leave that to you to correct me. So not a lot of depth here. Um, I'm definitely anticipating the Jets draft at least two wide receivers. Um, Glenn seems to think that they're going to draft three. I'm perfectly fine with that if that's the scenario. Uh, More targets, more talent. Um, As we know, it's hit or miss, Um, and nothing is uh, set in stone when it comes to taking draft picks, especially when you're talking about scheme fit, And, you know, were they in a system in college and that's why why they were so successful and they transitioned to the NFL play and, you know, how far um, will or how long will it take them to become an impact player uh, for the offense? So, uh, you, you know, the more players you bring in at that position, the higher the probability is that maybe you find someone that will be a keeper for the long term. So, lastly, Connor McGovern. Um, Now we see him as the center, um, which is probably the most important um, position for Sam Darnold uh, to work with. Now, this is quite interesting because this will be the third year um, going into Sam Darnold's career where he's working with a new center. Um, It always seems that the fault guy has been Jonathan Harrison, um, who's been our backup and has come into a starter's role two years in a row. But this will be, um, the third or fourth center that he's had to come to work with. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, can McGovern um, be the glue that's needed to solidify this uh, the interior aspect of the offensive line? Um, he's going to have a big part of it, I feel, putting him in at center. But, you know, like Dyer had mentioned earlier, if the Jets find themselves in a position to get a Lloyd Cushenberry or even a Cesar Ruiz, If he happens to slide out the first round and he's there at pick 48, I think the Jets need to pull the trigger there, put the young rookie in at center, and then you have McGovern competing for either the left or the right guard position. And now you're talking about Alex Lewis, McGovern, Winters, and Roten as your your four guards going into this year. Um, That's going to make good competition. It will definitely and hopefully make uh, the offensive line stronger. And, uh, you know, that's all that this offseason has been about, finding ways to protect Sam Darnold. So in the opportunity that the Jets can get a center out of the draft, I think that they should do so. Um, Maybe he has the talent to play guard and McGovern stays at center, but the fact that McGovern has experience playing guard and center uh, gives the Jets um, a lot of different avenues that they can go on when draft rolls around. Uh, So let's see how much time we got here. Okay, so we've got a few minutes left for the show. Um, And I'm just going to go quickly to if the Jets are going to make one more move before the draft unfolds, um, who should they be looking at? Um, Now, there's a couple corners out there. Uh, Logan Ryan and Prince Akamora. I think that these guys uh, would be plug and play, obviously and that would have one less uh, position to worry about going into the draft. So if you find a way to get one of these two guys, your pretty much base of your defense is set as far as the secondary is concerned, and you don't have to use a premium pick on the cornerback. That gives the Jets more opportunities to target maybe an edge rusher or, you know, somewhere uh, specialty player on offense. Um, from the edge position – two names that keep getting floating around there is Clowney and Griffin, uh, Shadavia and Clowney and Everson Griffin. Now Griffin is a little bit older, but if you are looking for someone to give you that, that edge presence, uh, maybe you find a one year show me deal, um, maybe around seven, 8 million. If he's asking for double digit numbers, clearly the Jets do not have the uh, capital to do so, but it's, been several weeks into the, the free agency process. Um, these guys have not found their teams yet. Um, a lot of teams are kind of running out of money, and it really seems with the way uh, this whole offseason has done, not being able to uh, do the face-to-face with the draft prospects, um, teams are really, really being conservative, it seems now, with these free agent signings, and things have tended to slow down a little bit. People want to see, you know, what are we going to do with the draft? How's it going to unfold? Let's get our guys. And then once draft weekend's over, uh, you know, it's going to make their jobs a lot easier knowing which positions they need to zero in on. So I kind of feel like a lot of teams are doing that right now. And who knows? Somebody's going to get a bargain with one of those edge pass rushers. Um, Hopefully it's the Jets. But, you know, like I said, with their salary cap situation, maybe not as likely. Uh, and my last that I'll throw out here, Taylor Gabriel and Rashard Higgins. These are not world beaters uh, at wide receiver. I think they're complementary pieces. Uh, we had a lot of rotation out of the wide receiver position last year, so I kind of feel that you do need guys that can play inside and outside. Um, I believe that that's what you would get from Higgins or Gabriel. Um, they're relatively young, um, Gabriel's around 28, 29, so maybe not that young. I think Higgins is around 25. Uh, He might be a good fit uh, for someone that maybe you can get one of those three-year deals with options to get out the second year, kind of like Joe Douglas has done with other prospects here. So I think that's going to do it here for us tonight at Jet Nation Radio. Radio. Uh, Thank you again for Christian Dyer of Sports Illustrated coming on, giving us your insight on this team. A lot of good draft nuggets and gems that he threw out there. Um, A lot of names that I penciled down, like Neville Clark, definitely going to be putting him in on my film watch uh, maybe tonight and uh, possibly down uh, for this weekend as well. Uh, So we got one more week, Jets fans, and uh, the draft will be upon us before we know it. So please – Give us a like. Give us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts if you can. Um, We really, really would appreciate that. The more reviews and the more likes that you guys give us there, the higher up the totem pole our podcast will go. We want to grow. We want to bring you guys a better brand. If you guys have any um, on how to make this show better, um, you know, we we take it all. Uh, We have thick skin here. So let us know how we're doing. Uh, We we would appreciate your feedback. Um, Don't forget to go to jetnation.com for the forums uh, where all the Jets conversations at. Um, They've got a great app, good articles going out, uh, you know, left and right from Glenn and Dylan. Um, You know, also talked about Green Bean earlier in the show that's doing some YouTube stuff and some Instagram videos. Um, So you can go check us out on Instagram. We're on YouTube. Uh, We have a Facebook page. Uh, Obviously we have the Twitter account. So, Jet Nation, we're, we're trying to get out there um, to give you guys the best content. And, um, obviously, um, who doesn't want more Jets uh, content? I know I do. So, thank you here um, for, for myself, Glenn, and everyone at Jet Nation. Everybody be safe. Uh, we got one more week, and we'll finally be here. Um, probably going to do about 100 more mock drafts between now and, and day one of the draft. Uh, because what else are we going to do with our times? But thank you guys for for coming in. Uh, we appreciate you and uh, have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. You're listening. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow
0: us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at Ace Twenty Three and Alex is at NY Jets Life Twenty Four.
1: Until next time,
0: go Jets.